Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in August of 2020. And welcome to episode 11. I do, we do, you do, let's don't most Most of the time. time. We want to give a shout out to Karina on Twitter. Another Karina, not me. Not you. (laughs) She's probably listened to all of our podcasts because she's made several comments. One was about number talks. Another one was, I love this, she called herself a case teacher. She copies and steals everything. I was like, yes, yes. I'm going to steal that as a cute little saying. Right, for sure. We, we should all be strive case. to be case teachers. <laughs> and then what I liked too, is she tweaked the mistakes are expected and respected. From which, your class. Right. She uses in her class, mistakes are respected, inspected, and expected. And she uses that for error correction. I love that. So thanks for tagging us and, and and joining the conversation. You got it. Let's reflect back on our last episode. This is a funny story, listeners. I know, I know. So Laura has her whole classroom in her living room, which is where we're recording. And, she, and dining room. And dining room. Yeah, it's taken over the house. So I'm just looking around all her all her toys that she has in, in They're her. Tools. They're tools. To- toys and tools. And... My eye catches this tape that she has. It's like scotch tape that has... It looks like measuring tape. tape. It does. Right, yeah. It it's looks yellow. like measuring tape, but it's just, it's sticky tape. Right. So I pick it up and I look at it and I'm like, oh, one, two, right? I'm like looking it's at inches. the inches right. and I'm like, oh, this is an inches. And I made a comment about, <laughs> you know, customary versus... <laughs> Um, metric system Uh, and again because I'm Canadian (laughs) the customary system doesn't really make a lot of sense to me it doesn't make sense to us Americans either (laughs) (laughs) and especially after our episode the Mm -hmm. the power of 10 and and using um the 10 frame and then all of a sudden it dawned on me I'm like oh my god here's another use for the 10 frame we could so easily use it for metric conversions. And that's something we totally forgot to talk about. Never thought of it. Right? Never and, thought but, of it. But we do it when we teach it. Right. Right. At one-tenth of, right. right? Yeah. And ten times as many. Yes, yes. So, I, obviously, Oops, I'm going to have to use that this year. We forgot to, to mention that in the last episode, so. Well, I had never thought of it that way. I really hadn't. Wait, what? Like, to use it with a ten frame, I mean. Oh, right. Me neither. Okay, yeah. I got you now. Right, because I forgot we were talking about 10 frames. Yes. I was thinking yeah. just the power of 10. Okay. Right. Well, um, you, my dear, have some good news to share. I do. <laughs> I forgot to share it last week. One of my projects this last year or so, year and a half, has been to become Google certified. I 
received my Google level one certification, my level two certification. And since December, I've been working on my trainer certification. And I got the email from Google. So I am a Google trainer certified educator. Wow. So exciting. And so I want to. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) And I want to just shout out to our Google educator group in South Florida. Mm -hmm. If you don't follow them, on Twitter or a Google educator group that's in your area do so they've got so many great ideas people post and tag we'll put it in the show show notes notes. and we'll tag it but it's there's so many great groups out there that that talk you know Google tools and how to use it uh, with the G Suite for education it's so you know I'm gonna powerful bothering you a lot this year Uh, right please do (laughs) please do that's what I'm here for now (laughs) So it's kind of like free consultation that you're going to be That's right. giving out. Okay, good to know. Well, it's kind of like what we do anyways, That's right? right? If somebody contacts us, All whatever, whatever All you need. Time. Let's get into today's topic about I do, we do, you do. Let's don't most of the time. <laughs> We've been talking about the gradual release of responsibility model for a few episodes now. And yes. How it's not... It was never intended, I don't think, to be a model of instruction for math. Right. Definitely for literacy. Right. And in our research for this, I didn't know this. I knew about Fisher and Fry, but I didn't know before that. So in 1983, Pearson and Gallagher were the real ones that came up with this whole gradual release of responsibility model. We've had this model out there for 35 years, which kind of makes sense to me because even back as a student that's how we were taught but i think they just did the research and said okay here we go and then fisher and fry i think took it to the marketing level you know to the masses right so let's talk a little bit about the model before we kind of i don't want to say tear it apart (laughs) but (laughs) but but we're going to really reflect on it and Mm -hmm. and think about new ways of using it in a math classroom Mm -hmm. and and honestly i think it can also be rethought of and revised in a literacy classroom too. Yes. Let's break it down. It starts off with the teacher providing the information. Mm-hmm. The fountain of knowledge. Right. <laughs> and the teacher modeling, showing, mm-hmm. thinking, all of those doing. things that the steps, really doing a think aloud of what what are the steps for this procedure or for this strategy or for this skill. Okay. Then it moves into we do mm-hmm. as a class and uh, like With a group the of student, right, the whole group and the teacher. Mm-hmm. So it's still the teacher modeling and kind of more coaching, but... Um, still in the mix. Still, right. Then it actually moves into a, another a, step. A you do, but the you do has two steps. So you do is... You do with a small group, and then the final you do is you do independently. Yeah, so I think sometimes we mix the we do and the, and the you, you do. The first you do, yeah. Yeah, to kind of together. I think the reason that we keep saying, don't do this, or now we've changed it to, okay, most of the time, let's yeah. not do this in math, is because this was lit- a literacy-based approach. And in math, we don't want 
regurgitators. Yeah. We don't want regurgitators in reading either that's or the writing. Thing. Right. That's that's why I'm saying I think we need to also revise it in reading and writing, honestly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because we want thinkers. We want doers of math. We don't want regurgitators yeah. of processes. Now, I do think that the I do, we do, you do, which I was so against for a good chunk of years when Common Core came out, I think I have finally flipped my thinking into, okay, sometimes it's okay. If I'm teaching an algorithm, then that would be an okay time to do I do, we do, you do. Yeah. But the rest of the time, no. Because we want the kids to have that productive struggle. Yes. So we talked about flipping the I do, we do, you do. Right. Into you do, you do we, we do, do I, I do. do. Where the teacher is the I. Yes. I think it's also important to just to use variety in our classroom. I, we've talked about this before too, mm-hmm. where we don't always want to do the same thing, do the same structure, do the same, because it gets boring right you've got to spice it up a little yep so on some days you want to just present a problem Mm -hmm. and say go go try it because how are the kids going to remember anything they have to do it themselves and make the connections themselves right it's that ownership of learning in our research for today's episode i came across which you've been following her for about a year now from mix and math Brittany Hagee, and she's got a great article on how let's not do I do, we do, you do all the time. I'm definitely going to put that. It's, I think it's more like a blog post. Right. We'll put that in the show notes. And she also references Mike Flynn, who we've also talked about before. It's funny that, you know, we have this network of, of math educators that we listen to and read about. And, and they all- come up, they resurface yes. like time and again. Again, like Julie Dixon was <laughs> resurfaced in this research that mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Mix and Math website is is a great resource. And she puts out, Brittany puts out a lot of manipulatives using math, concrete, the concrete, representational, Yay. abstract. She does, she That's does. That's our episode three. Yeah, <laughs> she does talk a lot about that and how important it is to, when you're teaching to use that and we couldn't agree more let's discuss how a lesson would look like using like this flipped model of gradual release so instead of i do we do you do what does it look like to do a, a lesson you do we do and i do okay i think the first thing is to use one great open-ended, rich task so that the kids have to think and struggle productively. One tip I have for that is when you're choosing a task as the teacher, try to answer it, like solve it, Mm -hmm. with the strategies that you expect the students to use. So what do they know currently? Mm-hmm. What's in their toolbox? Mm-hmm. A strategy that they would know from the previous previous grade that they could utilize in solving this problem. Because so many times we don't think about what do they know, right? Or how, like we solve it the way we would solve yep. it and we don't solve it the way we expect like fifth graders to solve it. This is a great thing to do during PLCs. Yes. That's something that this past year, there were three of us teaching fifth grade math 
And I remember this one time we were talking about dividing fractions and I said, okay, let's let's each solve it our own way. Definitely, I, I think two of us solved it very similarly, but the third person solved it completely differently. And not that it was wrong, but I said, show me, explain to me how how you thought this through, how you did this. It was so interesting to me yeah. because that's not the way that I would have done it. Yeah. So again, it goes back to the five practices, right? Of anticipating what kids are going to yes. think and yes. say and solve. Yeah. And I just want to add too, that's how I, when I do my backwards planning and mm-hmm. I look at the assessment first, yes. I'll take the test using those strategies of the fifth graders that I know I'm going to teach them to make sure that they can use what I've taught mm-hmm. in that assessment. Or what they've learned. Or what they've learned. Yeah. Right? It is more of what they've learned. Because we don't really care how they solve it. Which again, go back to our state test. Uh, The whole idea of whatever standards you use is to let the kids figure it out in their own way. So state assessment makers, maybe if it's a division problem, just put it division and don't force a particular strategy on them. Thank you in and advance. Textbook, and textbook writers. <laughs> oh, and textbook writers. Because that's the big problem I find is that the textbook set will model one way mm-hmm. and then, oh, then expect... Then it says, but then it says another back. way, yes. right? But expect the students to do that same method, strategy, tool, use whatever it is that they're showing in in the like problem questions, right? Practice questions. I don't remember if I said it on one of the episodes, previous episodes, but in our previous textbook series, I walked into a fourth grade math teacher teaching, trying to teach something where it was completely scaffolded and the teacher was having a hard time filling in all the blanks and I looked at it and I literally took a marker went over to her document camera and I said you know what and I put a huge x through that entire page I said let's just try to figure out what the answer is to this problem without it yeah don't be afraid to put the textbook away in this whole process I mean you could use the question yes right and I think some textbook companies are getting wiser and are leaving a lot of blank space on that first page right? so that the kids can figure it out. But also, here's something. Don't put the mm statement at the bottom. If the question says, I don't know, how many apples are in the basket? Don't, textbook companies, don't put there were mm apples in the basket. Let the kids figure out what they're supposed to figure out. That was the you do. Now, what would the we do look like? Once we give kids time to productively struggle on their own, next is let's do a group discussion, a group think, whether it's at their table, up at the white books, uh, you know, wherever. I mean, personally to me, get them up, but you know, that's get just me. <laughs> There's, there was a lot, when I did that, I also chose to do it for my formal observation, by the way. What? At my, using the wipe book. Oh. <laughs> and using this, this new model, this new idea of here's a question, mm-hmm. you think about it, then go and, and talk about it together, and then we'll come back together at the end and I'll, and I'll kind of guide you through and it. didn't you get the highest rating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, my, my principal definitely did like it very much. What were you doing when the kids were, were up at the white books figuring out the problem? I was just listening in on their conversations. Mm-hmm. I was going to every group and listening to what they were talking about. Some of them didn't want to, I mean, of course, when it's something new that they've done, they don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was funny to me that they didn't start with a model. They didn't try to draw what it looked like. They tried to go right to an algorithm. Mm. Even though all year. Yeah, that's I mean, that's <laughs> really telling to me too is what we've done as teachers, right? Was we go right into an algorithm as opposed mm-hmm. to really work on their conceptual understanding. Another thing I would do is not only listen into the conversations of kids, but if I felt like they were getting a little stuck, I would either ask them a question. Yeah. Or I'd say to them, go take a field trip over to so-and-so's group, mm. over to that group, because I want them to be able to see what other groups That's the are whole doing. Point, right? To have that learning up, up. so they can see it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, nothing needs to be hidden. Yes. It was probably around 1997. I went to my very first cooperative learning training. And I don't remember who the trainer was, but the whole idea was the Slavin cooperative learning method. I brought it back to my school. Another teacher had gone with me. We were actually asked to go over to another school during a PD and present to them. I remember one teacher asking, how do we grade this? And both of us looked at each other like, we don't know. We don't, we have no idea. A few years later, it finally finally dawned on me. I don't know why this took me so long. It's called cooperative learning. So uh, we we don't give them a grade. We don't yeah. assess them no. during the learning part, which is when we move into the when they move into the I do. They're still practicing. Yeah. Right? So we don't have to give them a grade on classwork. No. I mean, we don't give grades anyways in our our elementary school but maybe middle and high school teachers you could consider that classwork doesn't doesn't need to be graded i was gonna say because it's a learning it's a learning process it's a learning time yeah and we've talked about summative and formative assessments before again if you're giving an exit ticket that's just a formative assessment do they get it or not it doesn't have to be a grade and please don't even get me started on grading homework that Uh. just but you know what the problem is I know secondary teachers, at least where we are, they're supposed to give 18 grades per semester or per, I think it's per quarter, 18 grades. So that's two grades a week for nine weeks. And again, grades are... That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. That's a... How grades are stupid? (laughs) Yes. How I can make it, I can make it so you get an A or you get an F. Yes. That's... mm -hmm. That's another day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me calm back down. All right. (laughs) I think in sum, I think it's just about rethinking the way we teach, Mm -hmm. looking at what is working, what's our purpose, right? right? And with the gradual release, the purpose is really to model a procedure. Mm -hmm. Our purpose as teachers, or at least my purpose as a teacher, I know yours is too, is to have kids critically think. Yes. And if you're constantly giving them the information, you mean spoon feeding? Yeah. They're not going to be critical thinkers. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. It's just that simple. It is. The challenge for this week is to take a lesson that you have that you have consistently done and I do, we do, you do that has nothing to do with a procedure or algorithm. Flip it over its head and figure out a good question to ask them and let them go. You know what we didn't talk about? How are we going to do this in our distance learning time? Long pause. <laughs> 
Um, we talked, I think, the last episode or the episode before, the episode before when we were, you know, freaking out about distance learning about how less is more. It, less is more. We cannot have kids sitting no. in front of a computer watching you do something for eight straight hours, like it's, or six hours yeah. or whatever. It's just. I really think it's going to come down to picking great questions. And one. One. One great question. Where they get so much out of it. Yeah. And that's hard to do. That's not, that's not easy. We need to rely on our teammates. We mm-hmm. need to plan accordingly. Yes. Together. Collaborate. Just remember, nobody wins this year. Yeah. So everyone's just going to do the best that they absolutely can. And less is more. And less is more. Thanks for joining us, listeners. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too. Thank you.